from us something? No. Okay. Welcome to Rhythms of Grace. My name is Nate, and I'm here with Sung Kim, the lead pastor of Grace Churches. And this podcast is about everything from seasons to the Enneagram to uh, hard-to-answer questions. That's the season we're in right now. We're picking difficult-to-answer passages and answering tough questions uh, from listeners just like you. I will say that often we don't come to a very clear conclusion, and that is okay. We're operating in the gray spaces, and uh, we got another one this week. W- yeah. what, what question are we dealing with? Yeah, and just to con- uh, affirm what you just said, we'll provide clues, yeah, breadcrumbs for you to continue on in your journey. Yeah. Hopefully where these passages don't get you stuck, but at least you can move on and continue to discover and explore and study. I mean, one of the things that we keep finding is that each of some of these things that are hard to answer, we would love for there to be a hard and fast rule. And instead, what gets confusing or tricky about them is that Jesus is asking us to evaluate our own hearts and the way that we're thinking about things not simply saying do this or don't do this. That makes it difficult. So we're going to try to lay some of those, uh, you know, like Sung said, breadcrumbs out there. But at the end of the day, it's about each of us sort of searching our own heart. Right. Because if it's about doing, that's that's religion. Yeah. And that's very different from the gospel. Yeah. So today is another good question that has a real lived existential question. So two passages, Luke chapter 17, verse 1 and 2, and James chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Let me just read those. Jesus, This is Luke chapter 17. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Whew. Okay. <laughs> okay. James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So I feel this on a very personal level. I mean, I've, you know, everybody I think that listens at all knows that I have uh, four kids. The youngest is... Uh, 14, 13, I don't, oh my gosh, sorry. Uh, And the oldest is almost 21. And they're reaching stages of their life where they're asking me questions that I don't have the necessarily a clear answer to. This just happened recently where I was having a conversation and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And in fact, one of my kids was really frustrated with me. (laughs) They were like, you know, for years when I ask you questions, you have an answer and now you don't. And that's really hard for me. And Mm. I was like, I'm sorry, you know, but I I think of this verse. I, I, I literally was asking myself, am I leading this? child astray right now with these answers. Um, so I feel this on a really personal level, yeah. but why don't you go ahead and give us some uh, theological or well, historical well, framework? So here's a question. She says, both of these passages talk about teachers being judged more harshly than others. And if I cause someone to stumble, I should have a millstone tied around my neck and be drowned and I'd be better off. So this makes me nervous when I'm leading the high school girls and youth group, because what if I, if, what if I, uh, what if something I do or say is actually leading a student in a wrong direction or giving them a stumbling block in some way? Mm. This is quite scary when I really ponder it. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly exactly <laughs> what I was saying. Just uh, this person is a youth leader. Yeah. Not a parent yet. 
Yeah. But it applies in, in, in both instances. Yeah. And I think in one sense, it, it, it's a sobering reality. So in the Luke passage, the, the verse three is, he basically says, so watch yourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a real clue there. Um, you know, especially again, as you look at the, the rest of Jesus' teaching, is he saying like you should throw yourself into the sea with a millstone tied around your neck? That's as much hyperbole as gouge your eye out yeah, or cut off your hand. Right? But but it's it's speaking to the seriousness and the sober sobering reality that parents and teachers and leaders have in terms of the responsibility because uh, followers and children and students are looking to you. You, you are uh, one form of um, God incarnate yeah. in their life. Yeah. And so people who say, "Well, don't look at me as a role model." Athletes will say that, mm. or like there's just like even if you're an athlete, of co- of course you're gonna have young people who want to be athletes look up to you. Yeah. So to shed any kind of responsibility or to m- mitigate that is really um, uh, n- not really understanding the the position and the station that God has given mm. you. Mm-hmm. And again, we're talking specifically about you know if you if you consider yourself to be a person of faith. Yeah, uh, if you're right, if you're right. if you're a professional athlete and you kind of are just, you know, whatever, then that's a separate thing. But we're talking specifically about people who are trying to follow the teachings of Jesus. Yeah. So let me ask you, Sung, you you preach a sermon almost every week, <laughs> and if you're not preaching the sermon, I know that you and the teaching team you have a heavy yeah. uh, heavy influence in terms of the direction of mm-hmm. every week. So are, do you wake up in a cold sweat? <laughs> Every every night, or what? How do you navigate that? No, but I, I will say this: like, um, part of our responsibility, and this is, this is true of all of our teaching team members and, and myself in particular. I, like, I part of it is I need to make sure that what I'm talking about, not that I'm perfect in those areas, that this sermon is first and foremost I'm I'm preaching to myself. Mm. Um, because the worst thing, and Jesus blasted the Pharisees for this, is you lay out, lay out heavy burdens on people, yeah. and you don't follow it yourself. Yeah. And this is true not even in, in church circles, but even our culture, mm. where uh, leaders lack integrity or, or even just honesty to say, well, yeah, like, I, I'm not here yet, right? right? Um, and so I... <laughs> I, I remember preaching a sermon, this is many years ago, about pride. And I, I remember saying, like, look, you know, I, like in one sense, th- I, I should be the last person preaching on this. Mm. And one of our pastors on staff was like, started laughing. <laughs> like, I thought the exact same thing, too. I don't think it was me. Was it no, me? It okay, wasn't. good. Phew. It wasn't. But um, so I, I think just like, again, like in, in the Luke passage, so watch yourselves. Yeah. Uh, so as a teacher, like, um, you know, you, you will err, you will make mistakes to err is human. Right. Um, uh, and ha- have I led, uh, or, or uh, this is the other thing too. Uh, this happens quite frequently as a teacher or as a preacher, you say something, mm-hmm. but the way somebody receives it is different. Yeah. No matter how clear you are, yeah. Um, 
And somehow in their own, just because of where they're at, they've created a loophole, yeah. a spiritual loophole in order to justify, or excuse themselves. You know, does that mean I've caused them to stumble? Mm. Again, on one hand, and let's talk about two, two um, uh, realities. On one hand, um, there, there, there is a healthy self-differentiation that is required. Yeah. You can, you are not responsible for whatever your students or your, your members or your class, you know, like what they do, mm. like the, the choices they make. Um, on one hand, you are not responsible. Yeah. On the other hand, you are their teacher, you are their leader, you are their pastor, and so you are. Yeah. Because well, one of the things that I that I think about in, in light of this is something that I've heard you say before, which is that because of your position, um, both sort of in the office and in the church, sometimes your whisper is heard as a shout. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things you've said, and I think that's helpful to keep in mind, that yeah. your position can give... Um, I should say, I'm not saying you sung, but you as in listeners, me, you, um, your position can uh, have, it it can lend sort of an unintended gravity or seriousness um, to what what you're saying. Yeah. And and that's that's important to keep in mind, that it's not just about what you say, it's also the context uh, in which you say it and where you find yourself and who you're saying it to. Yeah, and it's not only what you say, it's also how you yeah. live. Mm-hmm. Because if anything, if you're a teacher um, or, or let's say a youth group leader, you may be out with your friends and somehow, let's say a young student is out with their parents or the, with their friends and they see you and you're getting drunk, let's say, like... You know, and, and and I've heard people, pastors and leaders and teachers say this, like, oh, well, you know, I, I'm not in the class right. or I'm not in, in right. the church. And so kind of like, this is my life. Yeah. Like, no, th- that's the very thing that Jesus is warning us of. Like, no, you, you, you will be judged more strictly because your um, lack of integrity or faithfulness will cause more people to stumble. Yeah. Than if you were just a uh, like just an individual person who yeah. let, let's say a new person coming to faith, right? Plus, it's magnified because, and I think the uh, inference is that you've said the opposite in some ways, right? Like that you've you there's a when there's a contrast between what you say and what you do, yeah. and if you're doing a lot of teaching. I, I think of this sometimes when I see you up there every week. I'm like, man, sung. And I even think about it with this podcast. We're putting our opinions out there <laughs> so much yeah. that there is the opportunity for us to f- to be hypocritical yeah. um, or for people to observe our hypocrisy simply because we've put out so much uh, an opinion or, <laughs> you know, uh, it's out there so much. So I think that's part of it, too. Yeah. And so as a teacher... Right. Um, you will be judged more strictly because you are instructing, you are discipling, you are caring for. And even just imagine this is true of me. And I think this is true of people in general. But um, there are moments that I remember from growing up where I'm sure my parents had no idea I was watching or listening. Yeah. And it's it, to them, they, they probably don't even remember the, the, mm. the event. Mm-hmm. But for me, years, decades later, I still remember it. Yeah. And then there are other, I mean, the opposite is true, too. They're like, hey, remember when this big thing happened? I'm like, uh, no. Yeah. But, but it's those moments. I remember when my, I remember seeing my middle school uh, youth uh, leader curse 
we were supposed to we were supposed to leave on a like a retreat and the bus wouldn't start and I remember seeing him curse and again I don't remember a lot of other things but I remember that and that sticks with you it right? does absolutely because yeah. it was such it was such a disparity between who I knew and is it reasonable like have I ever cursed when a car hasn't started yes but again th- he was a leader and a teacher yeah. and the disparity between what he was calling us to and what he did was very stark. Yeah. Do I think it's looking back, do I think it was a big deal? No, but it certainly stuck with but me. But at that age, yeah. it, it impacted you. It did right? tremendously. And, and I, I mean, on the flip side too, I remember um, walking into my parents' room one time, which can be a scary proposition <laughs> if you start off Not that recommended. Way. But um, I opening the door and seeing my mom by her bedside praying in the dark by herself. Yeah. And I remember just like, oh, I stopped and froze and I slowly shut the door mm. and like that has left an indelible mark on me as well too. Yep. And so when she, when my parents tell me, Oh, we, we still pray for you every single day. Like that's more than just words. Oh, for sure. My parents are the same way. I mean, from earliest memory, I remember my parents going downstairs to, to pray and read their Bible together before me or my brothers were awake. And mm-hmm. so again, when my parents say like, we're praying for you or we're praying for your kids. I know that, that they mean that. I've observed it mm-hmm. as a child. Like that sticks with you. So that's a good. Yeah. So I think this is just a call to remember as teachers and leaders, like you are never off duty. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, this is similar to what we were saying um, in the last episode about self-evaluation. Mm-hmm. It's a responsibility that as a person of faith never goes away. Yeah. And and you have to consider that very seriously if you're going to try to follow Jesus, that it, there isn't like, uh, there isn't, you're you're never sort of free of that responsibility. Yeah. Um, and that that can be hard. That can be hard. What do you think of somebody that's like, well, then I'm just not gonna. I'm not going to teach or I'm, oh, that's just not going to be, that's not going to be my jam. I, I need, I need some, I need an out. I need an escape hatch or I need a, re, a relief valve. Uh, a couple thoughts. One is, um, well, that just reveals your level of maturity and embracing responsibility a, as a follower of Christ, because we are called to serve. And even in, even if you're not like a Sunday school teacher, mm-hmm. as you serve, like you, you are embracing a sense of responsibility. Yeah. People that are on the worship team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, On the other hand too, you know what? And this is maybe doubly true of teachers and leaders and pastors and whatever, but like as a Christian, you're, you're never off duty. Right. I mean, people are watching. Yeah. Your, your non-Christian friends, your uh, colleagues, your, your classmates, they're watching you just like kids watch us. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, this is true of anybody who is a follower of Jesus, but uh, again, I think the, the sense of responsibility that Jesus and Paul and others are trying to, uh, impart to us, the, the sobering reminder. Yeah. Cause uh, again, I think as, especially when, when, when I was younger in, in my twenties in seminary, like, I don't know that I thought much about this. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just do my thing yeah. and, and then that's it. Yep. You know, and, and I, I know some leaders really hate living under like the feeling of living in a glass bowl. Right? Everyone's watching them. Um, uh, you know, I, I think there needs to be a sense of of, of transparency uh, and, and honesty, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. um, in, in any leader's life to just to say, yeah, you know, I have my private times and spaces and whatever. But there, there's also an, an openness mm. uh, of 
this is who I am. Yeah. And, and we know this, but in actually being vulnerable, yeah. <laughs> you're actually engendering more trust. Right. Right. And, and vulnerability prevents hypocrisy. Yeah. It, you you yeah. can't, if you're being honest about, and I think w- many good people um, are honest about their struggles mm-hmm. and aren't trying to hide the fact that they are imperfect and have continual issues. Yeah. And with that being out there, I think what we sometimes lose sight of is that is teaching. Right. That that's teaching differently than saying this is what you should do. It's more saying this is how people of character who are imperfect but trying to follow Jesus wrestle their way through these difficult issues or addictions or relationships or whatever. Um, and I, I I mean that that in my mind that tends to be where religious leaders get caught. Yeah. When they stop being vulnerable, when they stop being transparent, and and you see this divide in their life between what they know to be true and say to be true versus these secret places that they start to. Yeah. And I think even being transparent and vulnerable, I, I think you can, you, you, there's two ways of doing it. You could, you could try to be vulnerable and just in a way of justifying or dismissing your flaws mm-hmm. and just saying, well, I'm just human. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's not what is called for as much as, well, I, I remember one time <laughs> this, this was a dinner that we had, you and I had w- with my parents and, and uh, uh, where, where I think over the dinner, we were laughing because my dad was like, oh, and, and you know, because growing up, my dad was very performance oriented, very strict. And there was always a sense of like, he's right, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And it engendered a lot of hurt and a lot of resentment towards him. Yeah. And, and as he's gotten older and as, as I've gotten older, probably more me getting older and wiser, like there, there's, there's an openness, even as a parent. And he said this in front of you and my brother and all of us. He was just like, oh, looking back, I was such a terrible parent. Yeah, I was way too hard on you. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, Sam, who's my, that's my brother. And Sung, you guys are so much better dads than I am. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of like creating the sense of like further resentment, the, the, it created a bond yeah. and um, uh, a sense of forgiveness and, and just... Uh, uh, more intimacy in that mm. space. And so even as a parent too, and I do this quite often with my kids, like I'm constantly touting my flaws and shortcomings, not as a way like, Hey, this is okay. Right. But right. like, look, I, kids, I know you see all of this. Yeah. I'm not pretending I'm not hiding. Like this, this, this is your dad. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's, that, that should be true of us as teachers and pastors and leaders. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing to remember. Um, and, and one that I've tried to, to put in my own life is like uh, never be hesitant to ask for forgiveness. Never be hesitant to admit your fault and ask for forgiveness. Because even in that, again, like I said, like that is teaching. That's teaching someone how do we engage with our mistakes. I mean, I may have shared this story once before, but, but I remember at one of my jobs, um, someone, one of my coworkers had made a, a relatively serious error. And it was in the financial industry where those type of errors are, they're a big deal. It's not just like, oh, it's fine. It can be a big deal. And she came to me and she said, what should I do? I said, oh, well, you go straight into our boss's office. You tell him what the mistake was. You tell him how you're going to fix it. And you tell him how to be sure that it's never going to happen again. And her response was, I can't do that. I need to find a way to, essentially, when she said fix it, she meant cover it up, right? And and there is, in being able to admit our mistakes and being able to sort of acknowledge 
um, where we have fallen short and talk about how we're going to try to make it right, that is also teaching and avoids. I mean, again, thankfully this wasn't like a million dollar error, but if it had continued to spiral, yeah, man, like those type of mistakes in the financial industry result in like jail time yeah. and loss of license, yeah. you know? So there's just a really different, Jesus is inviting us as teachers to live a very, very different way. Yeah. And I would say for this person who asked about being a, a youth group leader with, uh, high school girls can i just commend and just applaud that because this is what i found in my life too as a teacher or as a leader um you people who embrace those responsibilities knowing the impact that they have and especially kind of like it, it because she's so sober-minded about her responsibility the, the less i'm concerned that she's going to stumble somebody yeah. right yeah. because she's so aware and watchful but being a teacher re- has really created this almost um, uh, a cycle of accountability for myself, almost as if, and, and this sh- shows maybe just how much more I still need to go. Like if I didn't have this responsibility, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like th- yeah. there'd be other impulses that would just like, if left to my own kind of like, oh, I'm just going to live life for myself. But, be- but because I have a responsibility for people, it, it's it, it's given me uh, additional motivation yeah. to be watchful. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I love reluctant teachers in some ways. <laughs> you know, I do. I will say, like, again, and I'm sure you've experienced this. As a pastor, it is a huge red flag when you meet someone for the first time and they're like, I have the gift of teaching. I'm always like, oh, no. No, you don't. No. But someone who is sort of, um, who approaches it with a, a tremendous amount of humility and caution those are the people that i really do believe god has given uh, the gift and the responsibility to teach yeah yeah so for those of you who are thinking about stepping up into leadership or teaching uh do it sober-mindedly but man i i applaud you and commend you and the the kingdom uh the work that god is doing in people's lives is happening because of you Mm -hmm. so thank you so much and uh for being a part of that work that God is doing. Well, thanks for sticking with us for yet another episode of Rhythms of Grace. So thankful you were with us and look forward to seeing you next week when we tackle yet another hard to answer question.